Good morning. It's so great to see everybody. It's our first time up here. Chelsea, this is Josh. And you guys know these amazing people. We're excited to get to praise the Lord with you this morning. Um, Let's all stand and let's give him some glory. Amen. Bless you, Father.
every one of you here. Uh, can we give the worship team a thanks? And a special thanks to Josh and uh, Chelsea as they are here uh, filling in for the Contreras family as they are off for the next uh, couple of Sundays. So thank you so much for you guys being here. So the Brewer family is filling in for us the next couple of Sundays. This will be absolutely great. If you're visiting with us for the first time, uh, welcome. Uh, Calvary is a church where we speak the truth. We teach the Bible from the beginning to the end. We want to make you disciples of all men everywhere. And so thanks so much for visiting with us. There's visitor's cards. If you'll fill one of those out, you can put it in the offering baskets that are in the back or in the box that uh, we also put offering in. You can put it in there. We'd love to get to, meet, get to meet you after service and get to know you a little bit better. But, again, thanks for being here this morning. Just a couple of uh, announcements. Uh, first of all, again, a reminder for Humble Area Assisted Ministries. We're collecting mac and cheese uh, this month. Also for the source uh, we're continuing to collect uh, diapers uh, for the source. And uh, remind you, Wednesday night service starts at 645 uh, for the youth and for adult uh, study that we have. I think Pastor Mark's still in the book of Daniel. Uh, our couples class for this week has been canceled. we got several people that are out, so we're just going to skip this week, and we'll pick up again uh, next Tuesday. Reminder about the women's retreat, November 3rd through the 5th. Uh, there's still room uh Available, so if you'll see my bride, Melanie, if you're interested in going, uh, she'll give you all the information. We have a spaghetti dinner, uh, a takeout-to-go dinner uh, after service on the 22nd of this month. It's to uh, help uh, with the women's ministry, so I want to encourage you to come hungry that Sunday and then leave with a, a big old pot, a bowl of spaghetti then when you leave that Sunday. Uh, prayer time, Tuesday night, 630 Uh we have prayer teams in the back during service. If you, God just puts on your heart to go into prayer with him and talk to him, they are back there to pray with you and to pray for you. I want to thank the ones that are in the prayer room covering this service with prayer. They cover the worship time, and they cover our, our message there in the prayer room, so we always give thanks to them. If you're interested in being part of that prayer team, please let me know. Uh, offering, we collect our offering. Either you can do it on, on the website, or you can... Write us a check. You can put a million-dollar bill in an envelope and put it in the offering basket or in the box afterwards, and we'll be, you'll be blessed to be a blessing. There's also prayer cards uh, in the rows in front of you. Uh, we would love to be able to pray with you and pray for you for any of the needs that you may have, whether they're personal needs or whether they're friends or family uh, or just somebody you know that's in need of prayer. We'd love to be able to pray with you guys then. So having said all that, Turn and greet somebody that you haven't seen in a while in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for being here.
You know, when Jesus prayed to the heavens, heavens opened up. When the disciples prayed to the Spirit, the Spirit came at Pentecost. And then when they prayed later on, the earth shook. Prayer is so, so powerful. You know, prayers work. We need to be diligent, respectful when we go to the Lord. So prepare your hearts now just to crawl up in his lap and share with him the concerns you have, the thanksgivings, things that you're thankful for. Just thank him for those. So often we forget. We take for granted the blessings that he bestows upon us. Prayer is meant to change. So let us go to the throne of grace with whatever is on your heart, whatever needs you have. Father God, we come this morning seeking your guidance, seeking your mercy, your forgiveness, your grace. Father, we have those that are struggling, those that are in need of healing. We hold up Angie's mom this morning as Angie is with her and cannot leave her side right now. Pray for Pastor Mark's mom and sister also. Pray for all those that are with child right now that you would bring a healthy child into this world, Father. And godly parents for that child. Father, we especially hold up your people in Israel this morning, Father. We pray for guidance, for protection, for peace. Especially hold up the military. Special prayer for Eli and friends that have been kidnapped, Father. Be with them. And again, protect them, Father. Father, we pray for for the military here that protect us and for the first responders that protect us, Father. We pray for their families. Father, those men and women that are doing that job, are doing your work. So continue to protect them and watch over them. Father, we pray for travel mercies for those that are away from us, for Stellan and his family and for Zeke and Dre as they are away, away from us this weekend. We pray for your message this morning through Pastor Mark, Father. May his words be your words. May you open our hearts and minds to what it is you would say to us individually and collectively as the body of Christ. Father, we seek an opportunity to be your obedient servants. Let us not miss those opportunities, Father. May our eyes be wide open to what you're doing around us. May we see you in everything. May 
everything we say and do be pleasing unto your sight. Father, forgive us of our sins. Those that we know we have committed, Father, and those that we bury deep in our heart and want to deny, Father, just reach down and correct us. Forgive us that we may be your obedient servants. That when you call, Father, we say, here I am, Lord. We don't hesitate. We follow you. We don't ask why. We do as you ask. Father, we give thanks for this day, for it's a day that you have made for us. May we rejoice in it. May we be glad in it. And again, Father, help us to help you. May we bring growth and glory to your kingdom. We pray all these things in your son's precious name. And everyone that loves you says, amen. Again, uh, welcome to Calvary for the kiddos. Uh, They are dismissed uh, for Children's Church. Uh, Pastor Mark is about to come up on stage. And again, give the guys in our worship team a thank you one more time. Centuries, they lived as slaves to terrifying taskmasters whose cruelty was only exceeded by their power. In these dark days, God's people gave birth to children who would inherit nothing more than misery. Their strongest ally was a God whom they had assumed had forgotten them. Far from forgotten. The people of God were rescued by the might of his hand. He put their masters to open shame and led them into the wilderness. Though they were set free, they weren't yet living free. They started to live as slaves to their own sin. What happened next reverberates for over 3,000 years of history to this current day. Like a loving and patient father, God instructed his children, giving them the Ten Commandments. Amen. Good morning. Y'all doing well this morning? Somebody enjoying that we're getting ten minutes of not heat? Enjoy all ten minutes. (laughs) It's like... uh, it's like, why are you teasing us like this? So we are um, we're in the, doing our study on the Ten Commandments, uh, live free to set free. You know, these ten words, as we've mentioned, are literally the foundation of Scripture. God himself spoke these ten words to the hearing of the entire nation of Israel. A whole nation of Israel heard these words. God himself wrote these words on stone covenant tablets. These are literally the first words of Scripture. And everything else from Scripture is written after this. Um, So I keep asking myself, and this is the question for us to ponder as we go through these things. What is it about these ten words that, that God says this is the foundation, this is the beginning point of the revelation of himself? 
This is the point that reveals who he is, his character, his nature, his love, his desire for relationship. So just kind of keep that in, my mind, in your mind as we're going through this. If we can throw the chart up there, uh, we, we've looked at these. The, they are, they're broken down. If you look, it's more than 10 words over here. It's because they're combined. They're not all, these are, you've got to combine them to get there. But the first section is all about our relationship with God. Now, it's important to pay attention to the third one because it's going to come into where we're going to be today. You shall not bear the name of Yahweh in vain. Just keep that in mind. And then, the, then you have the middle one that's a transition. It goes from creation to uh, the, the uh, creation itself to the creation of the nation of Israel to being recreated in Christ. And then ultimately we come to where we as God's imagers uh, are how to love one another. How are we to love one another as God's imagers? And that's this the second uh, or the bottom section. And so this morning what we're going to be looking at is you shall not bear false witness. You shall not bear false witness. So um, uh, we find it both in Exodus and, and in Deuteronomy 5.20. There's a story that goes like this. There's a, there's a preacher. Uh, I've uh, He's got like a video of funny stories, and I got it a long time ago. And when I need a good laugh, I'll pop it in and, and listen to him. And he was telling a story one time when he was invited over to somebody's house who uh, was like, you got to come to my house. You got to come to my house. His name is Jesse. And, uh, and uh, I make the best gumbo, the most awesome gumbo. And Jesse says, well, you know, the problem is, is I'm from Louisiana, and I know what real gumbo is supposed to be. So... He goes to her house and he's visiting and she puts the gumbo in front and her husband's there. Her husband's not a believer. Her kids are there and he's eating the gumbo and, and he puts the first bite of gumbo in his mouth and he goes, oh, this is trash. It's horrible. And right away, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, Jesse, you do not lie. He goes, oh, Lord, I'm going to lie through my teeth. <laughs> it's horrible. Just you better not lie. Do not lie. He says, but Lord, this is trash. So finally, she's looking at him with all this anticipation. So what do you think? What do you think? And he says, I have to be honest. This gumbo is trash. <laughs> right then, her husband, like I said, he's a non-believer. Right then, he's sitting at the end of the table and he goes, now that's a man of God. <laughs> I'm sorry, honey. I know that, you know, for 15 years we've been telling you we love your gumbo. We all hate it. <laughs> and and, and she, uh, he said, you have brought one person after the other into this house saying that they are a believer. And every time they say they love your gumbo, and I just know they're lying every time. Finally, somebody came in and told the truth. And he ended up giving his life to the Lord. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not bear false witness. We're going to go three places this morning. The tragedy of human destruction is built on the back of bearing false witness. The tragedy of human destruction is built on the back of bearing false witness. To lie is to image the father of lies. And guard your neighbor against the threat of false accusation. Guard your neighbor against the threat of false accusation. All right, so the tragedy of human destruction is built on the back of false witness. Um, from the very beginning, 
In, in the very, very beginning of Scripture, we, we, we run into this creature. In Hebrew, he's called the Nahash. And then most of our translations will call it the serpent. Uh, some will call it the snake. Um, the, probably a better translation is shining one. How many know that the devil always comes as an angel of light? And so the, the, the Hebrew behind it can, can mean serpent, but can also mean shining one. And so here's this shining one um, who is bearing false witness in the name of God in order to deceive Eve. Why? Why is he trying to deceive Eve? Because he knows in deceiving Eve, he will implicate Adam, and by implicating Adam, he will destroy humanity. He has an end game in mind. Bearing false witness was not only to trap Eve, not only to trap Adam, but to trap humanity itself. And so here, uh, uh, but the problem is, I mean, the, the problem is, is that the deceiver understands something about our behavior that we don't. What the deceiver understands is that our actions do not happen in a vacuum. Our actions do not affect just us. You see, he understood that. He saw in deceiving Eve and deceiving Adam, he was actually deceiving humanity. But we act, well, if I do it, it's okay as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else. And don't realize that our actions have effects that far, go ripple far beyond our lives, even if we're doing it in the private of our own, privacy of our own bedroom. Even if we're doing what no one else is looking why? Because you and I are more than just beings here on earth. We're actually beings in the heavenly realms. You don't think so? Look it up in Ephesians. It says, when you come into Christ, he has raised you up and has seated you in heavenly places with Christ. It says, the Proverbs tells us the things that we whisper in our bedroom, the spirits of the air carry, the birds of the air carry. So we behave out in public, whether, whether we, ha- we behave out in public or the privacy of our home, our behavior has ramifications, even if we can't see those ramifications. So uh, the serpent, the hash, the shining one says to the woman, did indeed God say, you shall not eat from any tree? And the serpent said to the woman, you shall surely not die. For God knows that on the day that you both eat, eat from it, then your eyes will be open, and you both shall be like gods, knowing good and evil. Notice this. He bare false witness. Did God say? He is bearing false witness in the name of God. Bearing false witness. You shall surely not die. What did God say? You shall die. He's bearing false witness. For God knows you shall both be like gods. What is his intention? His intention is very simple. He's promising to give them something they already have in order to take from them the thing they think they don't have. He's promising to give them something they already have in order to take from them the thing they think they don't have. What do they have? They have the image of God. What's he promising? You shall be imagers like gods. And what is he doing? This is what the lie does. This is what the lie does. This is how it is working. It is stirring up hidden and forbidden desires. It's stirring up lust. It's stirring up greed. It's stirring up pride. And by stirring that up, what did it steal from them? It stole from them food. Did they have all the food they could ever imagine? They had so much different kinds of food, it wasn't amazing, yet they needed to have one more. It, 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 uh, what about possessions? Did they, have, did they have all the possessions? They had dominion over the earth. Yet there was something they didn't have. 
What about built up to a place of position? They were imagers. They were priestly kings in the kingdom of God. They were uh, to, to control uh, uh, and have dominion over the earth. And yet there was a position they were stirred up to have that they didn't need. You see, the tragedy of human destruction is built on the back of bearing false witness. This happens to nations and this happens to people. We're going to look at some destruction. And some of this is hard to hear. But we need to understand the depth of false witness in our lives. Throughout human history, nations, entire people groups have been destroyed because of false lies, pernicious lies. Um, you know, today, uh, and I'm, I'm going to mention this in a little bit more, Pastor Terry led us in prayer, praying for Israel this morning. I don't know how many are aware that Israel was oh, full-out attacked by Hamas yesterday. Over 2,500 rockets sent into Israel. Multiple people killed, many people kidnapped. Um, it's, it's an all-out war there right now. Throughout most throughout um, today, many Christian groups stand behind, support, pray for Israel. But unfortunately, in our history, it hasn't always been that way. I'm going to recommend a book right here. This was a big eye-opening book for me. It says, Our Hands Are Stained With Blood. Our Hands Are Stained With Blood. I did not know this history. I did not know the church had done these horrible, evil things and bearing false witness. And we need to know it because there are many who do. And how can we stand bearing truth when we're not willing to admit what was wrong? And here's one small example of this. In the, in the Middle Ages, uh, the Black Plague was going around. And there was false witness. There was a rumor that the Jews were ritually sacrificing Christian children um, and putting their blood into uh, wells, poisoning wells, in order that Satan would protect them. Isn't that horrible? As a result of it, in France, they ended up, they ended up killing 5,000 Jews. They um, expelled Jews and communities all over, the, all over Europe. They burned entire settlements, and they made laws denouncing them for doing something that was simply bearing false witness. We look at the Nazis, and we go, how horrible it was, and it was. Are we willing to look at our own histories to see how we've... Uh, Destroyed people. Wars and rumors of wars. Um, many of you may know this. Germany literally put on Polish uniforms and invaded Poland, went into Poland, turned around and invaded Germany. German soldiers invaded Germany in Polish uniforms, creating a lie so that they could turn around and invade Poland. Uh, right now, um, my son was talking about this. There are, there are at least three or four families in this room right now who are affected by war in various parts of the world. There are at least three or four families in this congregation right now who are affected by war going on in parts of the parts of the world. I was talking to my son yesterday. He was driving from the town they minister in to the town he's living in, and he said they went right through this one city. This one city is a, a Amharic, Amharic town in the middle of um, the um, Oromo region. And there's been constant fighting and unrest. And he says, as they drove through it, there were soldiers everywhere. And uh, the, the, the place was desolate. And he often says when he's traveling, he calls us and asks for prayer. This morning, this morning on the news feed, 
right now there is a warning both by UK and and the, and the US that that there are terrorist groups in Nigeria right now who are planning further attacks Boko Haram and other terrorist groups that are going on right now in, in Nigeria um what are these based on lies bearing false witness bearing false witness to the point of carrying hate to want to kill your neighbor I mean, you know that Russia launched a war on Ukraine, on Ukraine, on a whole basis of lies. We got to protect ourselves. On a whole basis of lies. Right now, this war that's been going on for months and months and months on the basis of lies. And if you read the the articles this morning, you know Hamas is claiming that um, they they're launching a war in order to defend their mosque, Al Al Qasa, on Temple Mount. Israel sets up soldiers to literally protect that whole region. They're inventing reasons. They're inventing reasons. They don't want to accept the nation. They don't want to accept the people to exist. And so they invent lies. You see, we are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but we're wrestling against powers and principalities of the air. This is a spiritual war, not a physical war. This is what the enemy does. This, he has been a liar from the beginning. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And this not only happens on the level of nations, this not only happens on the level of people groups, this happens to individuals. Thomas Kennedy was accused of rape by his daughter on several occasions. Based on the sensitivity that claims and the seeming authentic evidence, he was sentenced to 15 years in prison. After nine years in prison, his daughter finally confessed. Yeah, that that which looked like physical evidence, yeah, that was actually a boy from school. Nine years in prison. Free today, but he'll never get the nine years back. You know what? He's still considered a rapist, even though he's innocent. That's what lies do. Nora Wall was an Irish Catholic nun. She was working with the Sisters of Mercy. She was wrongfully accused of rape in 1991. The women who accused her uh, stated that, that it had happened six years before this. She was convicted on it. Um, they, the, the woman who claimed it claimed repressed memories. After she was in prison, she was, uh, she was in prison for four days. After she was in prison, the woman who accused her uh, said, well, actually, I was actually raped by a man in Leicester Square. The other accuser said, yeah, I made up my allegations too. But here's the problem. The news outlets had already called her mercy devil, foul pervert nun, and stated that the girls had been raped by the Antichrist. And then they never come back and apologize for what they did. Daniel Hubbard was a police officer who pulled somebody over on a routine police uh, a stop. The woman accused him of a DUI. She had a DUI. The woman accused him of wanting sexual favors. Um... Fortunately, they had cameras, and after reviewing of the cameras, they discovered she was lying the whole time. Joseph Burrow was wrongly convicted of murder in 1989. The confessors didn't come out until 1984. Drake Henry, in 1977, 10 years later, they found out it was all on lies. He was convicted. 
Last story I'll tell is Casey Hickox. Casey Hickox was a nurse. She was working with the, the, the organization Doctors Without Borders, and she was going to Sierra Leone during an Ebola breakout to help. She went to help to save lives, to do everything she can. When she was coming back into the country, she flew back into Newark, New Jersey, and, the, and though she had absolutely no symptoms whatsoever, test, no test, uh, the test was negative, no, um, uh, no, uh, nothing saying she had Ebola. They quarantined her for 80 hours. Both the, the, the New Jersey Department of Health and Governor Chris Christie, when after the quarantine and they released her, Christie said again that she should be tested again. It takes longer to be definite. No question she is ill. We just don't know what it is. And every one of those statements were false. And here's the problem is the media just ran with it and ran the cycle after the cycle after the cycle saying it. By the time this woman was, was headed home, her landlord called her, and this landlord told her, by the way, I support you going. Grateful that people like you use your skills and abilities to help others. That's fantastic. Her landlord called her and said, you can't come home. Based on lies. Her boyfriend was told, uh, as, long, as long as you're with her, you can't keep coming to nursing school. Forced him to drop out of nursing school. The governor of Maine then wanted to quarantine her on all of these lies. So she gets, they, they decided to do a bicycle tour because they, she has no symptoms. She's passed every test. There is no reason for this. And she goes into a bicycle tour. Why? Because she wants the judge to say, to force the judge to say, where's the evidence to say that I should be quarantined? And do you know what the media reported? She's out there defying the governor's order to be quarantined, not trying to prove her innocence. One of the most fragile aspects of a person's life requiring protection is his or her reputation. Yet it is also the most at risk by the abuse of others. Politicians seek to destroy one another in negative campaigning. Gossip colonists feed off of calumny. And in Christian living rooms, reputations are tarnished and destroyed over cups of coffee signed, served in fine China desert, says Dr. Waki and Dr. Yu. These de facto courtrooms are concluded without due process of law. Accusations are made, hearsay allowed, slander, perjury, and libelous comments uttered without objection, no evidence, no defense. How many of us have just gotten a post from somebody? Oh, this is horrible, and just pushed it on. I cannot tell you how many posts I've gotten from Christians that talk about the worst things and the horriblest things, and I look them up. Is this true? And how many times? I just got tired after a while responding back. Hey, please, please don't send this out. This is not true. Please don't send this out. This is not true. Do we just propagate things? So we say, hey, it's in our feed. Oh, look at this. It's got to be true. Bam. And we're destroying lives. We're destroying reputations. We, who are we serving? But the father of truth? As Christians, we must refuse to participate in or tolerate any conversation in which a person is being defamed or accused without the person being there to defend himself. It is wrong to pass along heresy in any form, even as prayer requests or pastoral concerns. Can I tell you about Sister Susie? 
I tell you about Brother John. It's all right. We're from Texas. All you have to say is God bless him. More than merely not participating. More than merely not participating. It is up to Christians to stop rumors and those who spread them in their tracks. The tragedy of human destruction is built on the back of bearing false witness. Do you want to know why God put this as one of the ten? Okay, so... The tragedy of human destruction is built on the back of bearing false witness. So the next thing we want to look at briefly is this. To lie is to image the father of lies. To lie is to image the father of lies. How many know that we have been created in the image of God? How many know we've been created to image God, to represent him, to look like him, to be his imagers on earth? That's what we were created to be. This is when we're looking at the Ten Commandments. The first three are all about that. The last set. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, six. The last six. I had to count my fingers there, right? Uh, are all about protecting that image in others. Jesus said this to the crowd to whom he was speaking. He said, You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Do you hear what he's saying? Jesus is saying, listen, very simply, the character and nature of the devil, of the Nahash, of the serpent, of the accuser, his character and nature is to lie. He says, so when we are doing those things that are like that, we are imaging him. When we are lying, when we are bearing false witness, when we are passing on lies, when we're refusing to protect someone else and we know that it's a lie, we are imaging him. 2 Corinthians 11.2 For I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. What's Paul talking about here? There are people in the world right now who seek to try to deceive you and turn you away from Christ. There are anti-missionaries. There are cultural warriors. There are media workers. There are policy makers. There are people literally all over this world who are being motivated by the father of lies to, uh, to arrest your faith, to steal your faith, and to take your faith. And if you're not aware of it, you will fall prey to it. Paul is crying out, be aware. He, th- this isn't just a nice story, him deceiving Eve. He wants to deceive you the same way he deceived them. Why? Because that's what he is. It's who he is. He's the father of lies. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. You and I, our job is to destroy the works of the devil, to be the imagers of God, not the imagers of the father of lies. Let me ask a question. So what about just little white lies? Right? Oh, whatever, there's just the little things, you know, 
about those little lies? Let me ask you, who do they image? Is that image God? If the devil is the father of lies, who is the father of little white lies? Just saying. As I was doing this and preparing all this and putting all this together and God was stirring and twisting and turning, I was just so thankful for his grace. His grace that washes us, his grace that cleanses us, his grace that draws us, his grace that forgives us. refreshes us. May we pray the prayer of David. Restore my salvation, Lord. Restore, clean my house, Lord. Clean my house. So the tragedy of human destruction is built on the back of bearing false witness. To lie is to image the father of lies. The last thing, guard your neighbor against the threat of accusation. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. We are called to guard our neighbor against the threat of false accusation. It's interesting, and I mentioned this earlier, that this commandment has a similarity to the third commandment. Why? Because the third commandment, thou shalt not bear the name of the Lord in vain. And we, we talked about that. That's not just, you know, not using God's name as a cuss word. It actually means don't call yourself by God's name and then go out and live in a different way. Don't image him in vain. That's what it actually means. Now, what's fascinating is this is actually connected to this There's language, there's similar language in the Hebrew. There's synonyms between the two that to, and what it's trying to tell us is my neighbor is an imager of God. So in the same way I should not, I should protect God's reputation, I need to protect my neighbor's reputation. You see, it's not just a negative commandment. It's not just don't do it. It's actually in the same way I am meant to protect the reputation of God, I'm also meant to protect the reputation of my neighbor. So what it does, it literally bestows a right to a reputation. That person next to you, the person in front of you, the person behind you, the person in your neighborhood, and the person in the other political party who you don't like and don't want to have anything to do with it, have a right to a reputation, to it not being destroyed. So... The commandment to do not testify falsely against your neighbor, what it actually means, its meaning is to guard a neighbor against the threat of false accusation. To guard a neighbor against the threat. All right, so I guess if we're going to do that, we need to know who our neighbor is. And um, I'm I'm not going to go through the story today, but Jesus actually was asked this question, who is your neighbor? And he said, oh, I'll tell you about your neighbor. And, And the short version is, he goes, do you know those people that live up north that you hate and despise and that hate and despise you? You know those people that you have been culturally at war with doing mean, nasty, horrible things to them and they've been doing mean, nasty, horrible things to you? Do you know those people who literally try to defile you when you're headed south through their country and you're headed to go to the temple? They try to defile you so you can't go to the temple and so you travel miles and miles to stay around them. You know those people? Yeah, they're your neighbor. That's the ones you're to protect. 
And he demonstrated himself by the first person in the scriptures to, re, to whom he reveals himself as Messiah is a Samaritan woman. So how do we guard our neighbor? How do we guard? And I'm going to say it's this. We need to learn and live in a divine tension. There's a divine tension to which we're all called to that, that puts us in this place of guarding our neighbor's reputation. It's this. We need to learn to be able to cover our neighbor. And at the same time, we may need to be able to love them with the truth. Now, why is that divine tension? It's divine tension because when I'm covering my neighbor, and we'll see in a minute what that means, when I'm covering my neighbor, I am extending grace. I'm extending the grace of God, the love of God, the character of God over my neighbor. I am extending over them everything God has extended over me. I am his imager representing him to my neighbor as his covering. But at the same time, if I am in fact loving them and they do not know the Lord, they are automatically a victim of being a false witness. And so I owe to them the truth. They are victimized by false witness. They are believing lies. And therefore, if I'm going to love them, I owe them the truth. So I have to find this divine tension between covering them and being the truth to them. That's not easy, but it is what we're called to. Cover your neighbor. Do not expose your neighbor. Proverbs says this, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Did you hear that? Oh, but there's, there are certain offenses, so I just couldn't cover that. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. To demonstrate love, grace is to cover offenses. It's not saying cover someone in case of an offense. It's saying cover the offense. They've wronged you. Cover it. I'm going to give. A, I'm going to steal your story. The other day, we were. My wife Diane was trying was was talking to our medical um, uh, uh, coverage people, and they were trying trying to find a doctor. And she was going through the list, and she works with lots of doctors, lots and lots of doctors. And, uh, and so there was one doctor that was on the list, and the person said, here, there, there's a, uh, here's a page full of doctors. And she, she, she looked through all the pages, and she was looking at one of the pages and says, yeah, but there's one doctor in here I absolutely will not send anyone to. I work with doctors, and there's no way I would send anyone to that doctor. And the person said, well, what page are they on? She goes, I can't tell you that. I'm not going to soil their reputation. I'm going to tell you what page I'm not. I'm just saying I can't go to that doctor. You cover the offenses. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. This one here, catch this out, this one in Proverbs 24. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we didn't know this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who watch, keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? Let me tell you, I mean, it's, it's, it's a little bit archaic language, but let me tell you what it's saying. What it's actually saying, if someone is on the way to death, they've committed offenses, they're on the way to death, do what you can to bring them back off the path of death. Help them. And if you say, well, you know, it's not up to me, or I didn't really know it, God says, 
I know your heart. I know whether or not you knew it. That's what that's saying. We have the responsibility. This is, goes right back to Cain and Abel. Am I my brother's keeper, Cain says? Yeah. Love your neighbor well. Rosaria Butterfield, I was listening to, she has a new book, Five, uh, five Lies um, uh, that, that We Need to Know About in the Church. It's a, and I've not read the book. I've heard her talk about it. I've looked, looked at the, um, I've perused it, the table of contents, looking at it. It's a, one of those that's going to be on my list. But she was saying this. I heard her talking about it. She says, Christians have not loved well. We've not loved well. She says, because, because to love well means that we have to be willing to tell the truth. And what we do with our neighbors is we sacrifice truth for niceness. Well, they're living in a completely immoral lifestyle, but they're good people. And so I'm, and they're the nicest people in the block. Good, they're nice. We should be friends. We should be pouring out God's grace on them. We should have them in our house and they be in our house and, and try to build relationships. But we should not sacrifice truth for that. Here's the thing. I mean, heard love is love. Has anybody heard that before? Love is love. Nobody's heard that? Love is love, right? The problem with that is that you can't separate love and truth. Paul wrote this. I, it, love, talking about love, it does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. So love can't be love if it's not also truth. If there's something that violates the word of God, it's not love. It can't be love. So I can't be loving my neighbor if I'm not also walking in truth with my neighbor. Look, that's not a license to be obnoxious and mean because that's neither love either. What does the scripture say? It says that uh, um, uh, your speech should always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Our speech needs to be filled with grace, filled with grace, but seasoned with salt. Some of us are a little too salty. Others of us don't know where the salt shaker is. We're on the sweet side. You see, this is why I said there's this divine tension we need to walk in. We need to walk in this divine tension where my brother falls, my sister falls, my neighbor falls, and I am there with them saying, it hurts to fall. Let me help you up. Let me walk through you with this. Let me restore you. Let me find a path forward from this. But at the same time, when, when rebellious hearts are standing rebellious to God, and I befriend that person and I see their rebellion, I need to find a way to be seasoned with salt. Otherwise, I am allowing them to bear false witness to destruction in their own life. You follow this. So what's the, what is the necessary? We have to predetermine in your, in your own heart that you will be both loving and truthful to your neighbor. Predetermine in your own heart that you will be both loving and truthful to your own neighbor. So the tragedy of, hum, of human destruction is built on the back of false witness. I would say every single one of us in here has been harmed by false witness 
some of our reputations have been horribly tarnished. Some of us know and have close loved ones who have seen it happen to them, cut us and hurt us to our core. Some of us are, 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 are from places and connected to places that are being destroyed right now. But to lie is to image the father of lies. Guys, we need to draw a line in the sand on our lives to say, I'm not going to be a friend of the world. I'm going to be a friend of God. I'm not going to be a friend of the world. I'm going to be a friend of God. And in so doing, I need to make the commitment to my neighbor that I'm going to guard them against the threat of false accusation. I'm going to guard them against the threat of false accusation. Who is my neighbor? Yeah, whoever. And how am I going to do it? I'm going to extend the grace of God and the truth of God. They cannot be separated. They cannot be separated. Amen. Father, we bless you. We, we thank you. Uh, guys, you can come on up. We bless you. We thank you for these few moments we've had to open your word together. I pray that your word would have its way in us. I pray that it would accomplish its purpose. Father, I thank you. There is no shadow or turning in you. Father, you extend your grace over us to, to, to levels and depths in ways we can't even imagine. I cannot fathom your love, Lord. And you don't desire to expose us, Lord. You desire to restore us, to return us to you, to lift us back to you. And, Father, you desire to do that through Jesus, who is the truth. Know the truth, and the truth will set you free. To free us from the false witness of our own tongue, to free us from the false witness that we believe in our souls, to free us from the false witness of others' harms to us. Father, may we commit to be your imagers, not imagers of the father of lies, that we would bring your grace and your love in this world. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen.